Kia ora team and welcome to the Beyond the Surface podcast, a platform to dive deep into the minds of incredible Kiwis who have a story worth sharing. My name's Noah Willoff and for today's episode I had the pleasure of sitting down with Israel Whitley and what a conversation this was. At the age of 27, Izzy owns two businesses with the combined revenue of over $40 million. This was actually the first time Izzy and myself had met in person, so there was a lot to unpack about his business, Aotearoa Labour Hire, but I think more importantly, we actually dove deep into his story and how we got to where he is today and some of the challenges along the way. From living off the nutritious diets of two-minute noodles while setting up his business to having two heart attacks at the age of 21, the finite amount of time that we have on this world has got to be our most treasured resource. Izzy wakes up every morning giving 110%. I bloody enjoyed this episode, what a guy. Welcome to episode number six. Leading up to the podcast and actually driving here, I was thinking about how, you know, reflecting on your story and how challenges usually open up opportunities and how you've sort of captured that in every sense of the way. Um, So I guess before we start, do you mind just introducing yourself? Who are you? Yeah, um, I'm Izzy Whitley. Born and bred in Gizzy, uh, got out of there at 16, um, got up to Auckland for school for the last couple of years uh, and kind of found my way to, to jumping in, do a couple of setbacks, uh, ended up jumping in and starting a business called Auckland Labour High originally um, when I was 21, so, and look, started to get a bit of bit of momentum with that and and got some traction and, and got the right people around. So I do that. Uh, that's that's kind of where I spend most of my time in the day. Uh, and then a few years ago started up a business with a bunch of fellas called uh, Fit Out Solutions. So, yeah, so it keeps, keeps me busy, keeps me out of trouble. We've got four branches at ALH now across the North Island and looking to add another few more this year. So it yeah, an exciting year. How did you get to, you know, set up set up your business? What was this kind of backstory behind that? Um, well, when I left school, uh, I went to Westlake, left school, got into my building apprenticeship. Um, I then thought oh, I actually got mugged in town um, and had to have shoulder recon- like a shoulder reconstruction. <laughs> so me and a couple of my mates. Shit, um, did you win or did you just fully nah, got nah, mugged? The reason why I have the reconstruction is because we lost. <laughs> So I actually had to have like a shoulder surgery, um, which put me out of building for a little bit. Um, and in the time I was off building, I kind of thought, hey, I'm not necessarily enjoying it too much. Um, and then uh, literally when that all happened, went into surgery, I just lost my, a few days before surgery, actually my dad passed away. Um, dude, it was a battle with mental health, which is which is pretty tough. and. And I think there's an underlying inspiration there to make a cool workplace because I know that he didn't have one. Um, so I knew I wanted to stay in building, but I didn't want to go back on the tools. Um, so I thought I'd just change it up and, and freshen things up a little bit and, and change the direction of my life from what I was doing. Um, so I enrolled at uni, failed uni, I was terrible at uni, um, and started playing footy a little bit more seriously. And then kind of... Uh, was necessarily on a path to probably nowhere with, with both uni and, and football, uh, certainly football. And then I uh, had a – I'd probably had about eight games that season or that year, and each game was getting tougher and tougher And the fact that I was feeling more knackered five minutes before – um, I was the game before, so I kind of mm. got to the last game. It was like half time before half time. I was absolutely naked. Like I thought, I felt like I'd ran a marathon. I'd, I have done one, so I know exactly what I was like. You know, geez, I feel like my body's been put through a marathon. I've only played for forty five minutes, um, and I kind of thought, you know, just out of interest, I'd, I'll go and get my asthma checked out. And so I finished that game. Don't know how, but I did. Um, then I went to go to the doctors and uh, say, oh, can I just get my asthma, you know, checked out my lung capacity whatnot. And they said, oh, look, your lungs have kind of never been better. So I don't know what's going on. I said, all right, I'll kind of see you guys later. They said, oh, Izzy, why don't we just quickly run an ECG on you, which is an echocardiogram. Um, 
I still don't know how they work or what they look like or what they even look for. But Is that like a scan? Yeah, so they just plug you up, right? They kind of almost put a bra on you, but and like sticky things and, and, and get a good reading of your heart. And the the doctor just freaked out. Like I could tell that something was really wrong once she kind of saw the, the scan and she said, hey, look, we think you've had a couple of heart attacks. Um, we need to get you to hospital immediately. Oh, shit. And I was like, I'm like 21 you know, I'm like, oh, I'm fit as anything. Like, mm. I've never been fitter. I'm kind of running quicker kilometres than I've ever ran and, and, and whatnot. And I was kind of in disbelief. But then uh, I kind of went to the hospital and then, yeah, that, that's kind of when found out that, that I'd actually had, I got diagnosed with a condition called cardiomyopathy, which is like a heart disease. So basically my heart was inflamed and swollen and that could have come from overtraining it could have come from having a flu and just not resting when I had the flu um so it was actually that kind of one week I was in hospital I think for 10 days but I almost had a chance to reassess my life like I couldn't get out of hospital I had to stay in there there's nothing I I could do I had to I'd fast track trying to deal with dad's passing so I was almost in tears just every day in the Blumen mm. Hospital trying to deal with that. How long did all this happen after your dad's passing? So dad passed away in December um, and then not the following year, the one after, so about a year and a half. Mm. It was kind of in like April or May, not the, the next year, the one after. So it was a pretty quick turnaround, right? It was kind of one one blow, then then that one. I was kind of like, oh, my goodness, what what's next? What's next for me? And... Um, yeah, I I kind of just thought I need to do something. I'm, I'm not going to be involved in football anymore. I'm not going to be getting coaching or in, doing coaching, so I can't really bring an income in. I'm failing at uni, like, terribly. Something needs to change, and it needs to change quickly. Um, And I kind of just thought, look, I'm going to start a labour hire company. I always knew my boss was making a few bucks off me an hour, mm. and I just thought I'd, if I could just get five people out, then that'll be fine, and that'll tie me over to when I get to when I, what I need to get to next. Um, and so I got out of hospital. That would have been in May, and then I was pondering on starting the business. And then incorporated in August, and then uh, yeah, kind of didn't look back. And and before I knew it, I was too thick into it to to turn it back from it. You know, so I kind of got too far in too soon to mm. to walk away. It wasn't something I could just pack up and then. I guess the the addiction for more kind of started kicking in, but it was it was it was really fortunate. I I I slugged it out for myself. I I was still getting study link because I was still doing a couple of papers. So I was living off two hundred and sixty four bucks, two hundred and thirty four, two hundred sixty four bucks a week. Um, I got like a solo parent thing, so I didn't have to pay it back. I was living in my best mates, <clears throat> one of my best mates, Nana's flats out the back. I was paying him one hundred and twenty bucks. Then I was kind of getting some, putting petrol into my car to get to job sites. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd go to the supermarket on every Sunday and buy uh, 21 Maggie soup cup noodles so I could have three meals a day. And then if I had some leftovers, I'd get a few cans of Coke. <laughs> and and that was how I honestly lived for like a year and a bit. Oh, and shit. so I had to like slug it out. But I think the, the fortunate thing looking back on my upbringing, I had a really humble upbringing. I, I came from nothing, but I... And I always felt like I never needed anything. So I never had a lot. So being there, I never, it's not like I ever had to reduce my lifestyle. Mm. And yeah, that was a bit grim, but it wasn't like it was, I wasn't actually scaling down my lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was, I still had my own Nana flat, which at the time I just thought was the bee's knees. Yeah, it was great together. Um, and yeah, so so that was generally how like ALH got going. And I just got really, I transferred all my competitive kind of nature and attributes from football um, and just put it into the business and, and mm. just went for it like for a year and a half and, and started, I started with 500 bucks and, and you know, I, I, I went in there every day for the first 18 months not knowing if we were going to go bankrupt the next day because we were waiting on creditors all the time to pay on time so we could pay on time. So, you know, it was just an absolute 
whirlwind of a friggin' first 18 months on how it all got started. That is crazy. And I think that it goes back to the point around, you know, a challenge plus an opportunity and then mm. look what happens. Um, what do you consider or what do you bring it down to around your sort of perspective to actually hone in on finding an opportunity yeah. within labour hire? Where, where did that come from? I see, I, I wouldn't... I, I honestly did no competitor analysis. I didn't know who my competitors were. I didn't know if there was an opportunity there or not. I was just, my ignorance was bliss, right? Like I just kind of got into it and I thought, Ugh, this will just be my bridge to get me to where I want to get to next. So I didn't necessarily see an opportunity that I thought could have been great. Um, I actually rang up Rob. Rob's, Rob's our chairman now. Uh, Rob, Rob Fife. Fife. Yep. So for those listening, he's the former CEO of Air New Zealand, yep. correct? He's a legend. He's an absolute weapon. Shout um, out, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Good fella. Really good guy and, and just an awesome mentor to have. Um, i never forget, I rang up Rob. This is before he and his wife, Sarah, were investors or involved. And I rang him up and I said, hey, Rob, I've got this uh, guy that wants to buy half of ALH. And he said, oh, okay, well, you know, what's he offering? I said, oh, he wants to buy 49% for 25 grand. I said, sounds like a hell of a deal. I'm going to do it. He said to me, is he kind of somewhere along the lines, if you do that, like I'm kind of not going to, do you know what I mean? Almost saying, look, if you do that, you're a bit of an idiot. Mm. Like in short, and he said, is he, you've kind of got the hunger and drive to make this a 15, 25, $50 million business. And that's when I knew there was an opportunity there. You know, I had to hear that. And and then it's almost just, almost became possessed with it. Do you know what I mean? I was kind of like, all right, well, if he's saying that, that's all I needed to hear at that time. Um, and, yeah, so that was probably where I first sensed the opportunity. Before that, I didn't think there was one. I, I had no idea. I didn't know how big our competitors were. Um, I didn't even know who they were. Like, I was kind of just... You know the ignorance of being a ignorance of being young and start just up entrepreneur, trying to, trying take, to take on the world. world. And it's interesting, right? Like I don't necessarily f- f- consider myself too creative. Like I surround myself with a bunch of kind of oh, I know a few entrepreneurs and stuff. Um, like my friend Liam, like he's every other month he's almost coming up with a new idea or something. Do you know what I mean? I look at kind of someone like him. I think how creative and, and kind of ideas orientated he is. And then I kind of look at me, I'm like, geez, I'm a bit boring. But if I can get <laughs> stuck into something, I can get stuck into it. So, um, but yeah, so that was when the first opportunity I, I mm. felt arise and, and kind of gave me the opportunity to get going. If we just rewind back to, you know, you've launched um, ALH and you've sort of found this opportunity within the market. What did the first sort of eight to 12 months look like, apart from the facts you had $5 for $500 to start it, living off, you know, two minute noodles? Yeah. Were they hard to get going? Because I think what a lot of young people particularly um, find it hard to come to grips with is actually finding that courage to start something. Because once you put something yeah. out there, you know, it's out there forever. Um, and a lot of people don't have that confidence to see an idea through. Yeah. So, yeah, if you speak on those it's, 8 to 12 months. Those 8 to 12 months, I wouldn't wish them upon my worst enemy. Like, they were that gruelling. Mm. Like, when people say they're tough, it's tough. It's so lonely. Like, I can't explain, like, how lonely the grind is. I, you know, whether you've got a girlfriend at the time or a bunch of mates, it's you. they still can't get into your head and understand the stresses and pressures that you're kind of going through at the time because I had no one to bounce any ideas off in, the, in that first period. And it was just tough. I Like my my days started at 4.30. I'd drive into the CBD. I lived on the shore. I'd leave at 4.30 and get into the city just before 5. I'd park up in the CBD so I didn't have to muck around with the traffic. And then... I'd just work work outside like the Hollywood Bakery that was in the Windy Quarter. Like I'd just go and pull up there and, and sometimes I didn't even want to buy a coffee some morning so I didn't have enough money. Um, but they were pretty cool and they just let me work out on the desk. So that was generally what it was like. Like I'd get in there and then I'd just follow the tower cranes around because for me that was almost just like the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. If I could see a tower crane, there's work. So I'd just drive around to the tower cranes every day like, wouldn't matter if I got a no the day before. Hey, guys, how you going? Back again. Um, 
So constantly putting myself outside of my comfort zone, like I was living outside of my comfort zone. I think the only time I was ever in my comfort zone was when I was asleep, mm. you know. And um, yeah, so it was like like four thirty starts and midnight sleeps, if not later. And sure. then you know we were really fortunate that after, kind of just after that period, we got end up getting like an attic. But I was I was living and and working in the same place I was sleeping. It was so consuming. You kind of lose concept of time mm. and, and you lose touch with all your friends. Like and it's a sacrifice that it's 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 tough because you see everyone else having a hell of a time and you're kinda of sitting there questioning yourself, shit, these guys are all having an absolute bout of a weekend. I'm kind of sitting up here in my little nana flat, you know, curtains shut, trying to get some work done. Is it kind of all worth it? Do you know what I mean? So you're constantly doubting yourself, like constant doubt is a thing. I think the thing that over overcome the doubt or or pushed it out would just be I was I was probably too proud to fail. Like that was probably it. I was too mm. proud to fail and, and I told too many people to fail. So it was kind of it was probably more ego driven as to what kind of kept me going. But every young bloke's got that. Healthy you know? ego. Yeah. <laughs> healthy at times, unhealthy at times, <laughs> but you know, yeah, that that was probably it. It was it was just tough. It's it's quite hard to explain. Um, if if you have not kind of from the outside in, but it would, the, the best way to explain it is just grueling, mm. you know, grim, mm. real grim. Lonely journey. Lots of entrepreneurs <laughs> always talk about that, right? Just how how long the hours are. Um, and when when you were first starting, did you ever have serious second doubts or ever consider stopping, or did you have the sort of goal in mind? Because you know, just yeah. meeting you from this past twenty minutes, it seems like you've got a really competitive sort of personality and that sort of natural drive and hunger is always there. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. Like my, I never thought about quitting. Um, again, probably from the pride thing. It probably comes back to my upbringing a little bit. I and I'll touch in on it because it probably gives some context as to to where the the drive comes from. We grew up in a really religious home uh, to the point where I wasn't allowed to play with people. I wasn't allowed to play play football with people that weren't involved in my church or Christian. So you could only play with kids only play from like, the same yeah, church. Yeah, yeah. So it was like you know I was freaking hard like I. I thought I was all right. Then yeah, you feel like my the man. Yeah. Like playing rugby, <laughs> and I was like, "Come on, like give me a shot out there," you know. And then my dad kind of convinced his dad and the pastor to let me go and play. So he he snuck me off to a game to go and play for my primary school, and I was just over the moon to be there. I was at like eleven, and uh, we played and we played Manga Papa, and I'll never forget we lost. And I went to like go and find my dad after the game. And I just saw him driving off. And I was kind of, oh, I know exactly what that means. So I walked home. And you like, uh, that's my ride home? Just yeah, I was just on. like, but I knew because, like, we, he was so competitive with me. Um, and all of our siblings got really different, like, relationships with him, which mm. is cool. But I, I probably got the tough end of the stick of kind of the competitiveness and stuff like that. So I don't even forget, I had to walk home. It would have been a few K. And uh, and and I got home. I said, "Oh, what was that about?" He said, oh, "I'm not I'm not taking losers home." He said, "If you want to ride home, you've got to win. If you wow. lose, I'm I'm not right taking you home." Wow. So it started from there, right? Like, and 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 that was it. It's just like instantly, like everything was about winning. It like took the fun out of it, <laughs> you know. And only now it's it's I'm really well not only now, but the last couple of years have been really enjoyable. But in order to win, sometimes you just have to win ugly, you know, mm. and, and that's the thing. So I guess that competitive nature was installed at me from a young age. And it was just about trying to kind of make that competitiveness as healthy as possible when I could. Yeah. But I, I did everything I could, you know, winning came first and having fun came second. That was um, kind of always the way. I'm just thinking, you know, as a father myself to a six-year-old, if I ever did that to my daughter, yeah. <laughs> don't think she'd ever come back to my house. But yeah, my dad wouldn't have tried that on his daughters. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the tough love. And do you think that experience with your father, you know, and looking back now in hindsight, was actually a really positive interaction that you had in its unique yeah. way? Yeah, it was. It was like massively helpful to where I am today, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have that kind of tough love from a young age you know he I started work at like 12 I and because he was a caretaker 
I had to start work at kind of like six o'clock in the morning and then I'd kind of, or a little bit early and then I'd get home kind of eight o'clock and then I'd jump on the bike, go to bike to intermediate, come home, get back over to the school 3.30 and then kind of work till five or 5.30 um, from the time I was 12. So it was kind of like that. And then, you know, all I kind of can, all it became about from 11 was work and football and football was only about winning. And then it came to the point where work was only about winning. I wanted to make sure I had the, I was the best lawnmower in Gisborne, right? I got to drive past the lawns every day and I just wanted to make sure it looked immaculate. So I kind of found a competition in everything I did. Mm, <laughs> mm. What skills did you bring over from footy? Obviously the winning mentality. Um, what skills do you take over from, you know, football, sports, being a high-performing athlete into the business world? Um, definitely the competitiveness. I I was kind of like exposed to quite a few cool coaches who I kind of saw treat certain players differently. And at the time, I never understood it. I was always kind of thought, why do these people get different treatment? Or within good reason, some people were just unnecessary, but do you know what I mean? And, And it was actually just to get the best out of each player. So I kind of started to think about, you know, as as ALH grew, how can we how can I kind of evolve to a coach and a support person and how can I get the best out of each person by understanding them? So probably just seeing how some of the coaches mm. interacted with, with me and other players in the team was actually a really cool cool experience and, and that's something I took into that. Uh, and, and, and I think um, the other thing I probably took is the professionalism. Like, you know, whenever we were travelling, we were always travelling in nice gears, we always kind of had our uniform on and I always took a lot of pride in the uniform that we we wore and, and we had to kind of make sure we were in our number ones and presented well and, and transferred that over. And I think it, that has given ALH a really good element of, um, you know, professionalism. It's mm. a, you know that ALH are always going to be presented well and, and take pride in, in what how we kind of present ourselves to clients, staff and, and anyone really. So. Mm. Mm. That's awesome, man. Um, just talking about ALH at the moment, um, where is the business at at the moment? Because, you know, I look on LinkedIn or on your socials and you guys are just growing like crazy. <laughs> well, you've got branches in Auckland, yep. Tauranga, Wellington, Hawke's, Hawke's Bay, Bay now too. Yep, yep. Uh, next on the radar, so it'd be Dunedin, Queenstown uh, and probably Hamilton and, and Palmy. So those are probably the, the, the lowest dangling fruits where we want to kind of end up going. Um, but as a business, we're just in, a, in hyper growth mode still. We, we base a lot of our growth on revenue. That's kind of a real good trigger for us to, to note. So last year we we did six mil in revenue um, across across one branch and then we expanded this financial year and we'll end up coming in about 14.5 mil. Wow. So big growth, but then next year we're going for 28. You wow. know, so, and if we didn't have COVID, we think we probably would have got eighteen. So, wow. so you're looking at like hundred percent sort of revenue oh, growth. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. We, I, I'm dead set, confident, and hunkering down till this gets to a hundred million revenue, wow. and that, that's kind of where we're kind of, you know, we're we're kind of employing almost every three or four weeks at the moment. That's oh, kind wow. of as soon as we can. So, and and it's it makes it easier with a great team that we have. You know. Um, you know the boys here in Wellington, man. They're just Chase, Josh, Chase, Joshy, got Connor in there, man. They're just a good bunch of fellas, you know. Like I think the the real privilege that I get now is even when I just come down, it I just kind of come down and sit and, and work in their office, you know. It's their space. I just pull up on the coffee table and kind of get through what I need to. I'm not necessarily there to do anything necessarily structural or on a strategy basis. They Chase's running those running that branch like an absolute weapon and, and giving it a real good go and I'm just there to support it and, and help wherever I can and we've got that same ability in every branch which mm. is which is really awesome you know and and I think our average age is 28 mm. so we've kind of got we got 24 internal staff come April and yeah, we, we're just moving into a new office in Auckland actually um which kind of thinks that we could probably go in Auckland, we could double, which means our Auckland would probably be at 25 in a year. So start to really get going. So, But, yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. So we've got the four branches, um, loving it, learning a load. Um, kind of my goal is to never feel like I'm not exposed to a learning opportunity that day. So as long as I'm learning, cool. um, I, I'm still incredibly passionate and, and focused on, on the task at hand and I can't see me not being exposed to learning 
mm. learnings for a long, long time. Yeah, lifelong journey, yeah, eh? yeah, lifelong yeah. journey, eh, bro? Absolutely. How and I think speaking about learning, um, how do you identify, you know, perhaps your your blind spots or your uh, lack for a better term, uh, weak areas if it's around, you know, business acumen, yeah. financial reporting, something I'm terrible at, yeah. you know? Yeah. How do you identify those weak spots? Um, I, if I don't identify them, uh, Rob definitely <laughs> identifies them and lets me know about them. Um, but quite often, I'm I'm pretty self aware as to where my weaknesses are, um, and it's kind of just making. You know, if you talk to the boys or anyone at ALH, we we operate on three kind of things. We've got a non-functional, functional, and optimal scenario in everything we do. As long as my weak points are functional, that's that's I'm happy with. And as long as my strengths are above optimal. Mm. Um, that's kind of what I focus on. But the, the weak points, you just have to make sure you're bringing on people into the team that, that strengthen my weaknesses, and, and that's what we've done really well. So I don't necessarily feel too exposed to my weaknesses, um, which is really great. So on a business perspective, like I learned more in the first like you know few years than I did in anything, and you actually kind of, it's almost like when you play a sport, right? You know with your fit, or fast or technically gifted, you kind of know that in business, you kind of instantly know where your weaknesses are, mm. where your strengths are, and it's just about developing them just like you would with a, with anything else. So it's yep. not getting too caught up on the things you, you're you not going to be a superstar at and just making sure you're happy and, and functional. If I have to jump into that area of the business, I can still still function at a, at a high level. How would you describe your leadership qualities and have you found it intimidating at all being so young and fronting a multi-million dollar company? Um, my leadership qualities, I, oh, I'd i probably say um, if I had to describe how I'd say I'd be described by other people as a leader, um, very stern and honest, um, but really supportive and encouraging um, on constantly developing and growing everyone around me and, and the team um, and just being a real team player like I, I like leading by example I make sure I'm I'm doing everything I can maximising my weeks that I don't you know I'm, I'm always really conscious of making sure I'm, I'm perceiving myself well um, and and just trying to be a lot more you know having a mature approach and, and perception than, than probably my age and that's a probably goes back to the next question. Um, was it intimidating? Mm. Only ever once, probably in the last few years, if I had someone try and have a hack at me saying, oh, well, clearly this fella's just operating at his age. And the honest truth is ALH is a bigger business than the fella that was saying that. There you, know you know go. I mean? So you're kind yeah, of like, yeah, hang yeah. on a minute. Get like, out of yeah, there. Just let us keep doing our thing. And, and you're going to have that. But I, I never really let that get in my way. And I think that's probably what got me into a lot of lot of boardrooms and and – in meeting rooms initially, right? Like I wouldn't go in there and expect to get a free run because I was a young guy or anything like that. I was like, I was just in there, I couldn't care less. And I think growing up in Gizzy allowed me to, or encouraged me and, and actually didn't give me an option to learn how to talk with people who were one year away from being in a gang mm. to high-level businessmen. So yeah. it was really fantastic, really, because I had a massive opportunity to speak to all walks of life. Yeah. So I was kind of, already prepared for that when I when I got into the kind of business. It didn't matter. I could kind of talk to our on-site team, but then I could go and have a high-level chat with Rob and didn't feel like I was out of place. Mm. I'm re- I think a really common theme that I see across many entrepreneurs and even like, you know, the really high-level uh, world-famous ones like Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, et cetera, et cetera, they for for whatever reason, edu- the education system didn't seem to work for them. You know, they're all you know university dropouts or high school yeah. dropouts. Yet in the business world, they really thrive. Yeah. Um, you were saying earlier around university and you know struggling with grades and stuff. But then, in the practical sense, you're absolutely smashing business. What was it that made you not really fit into that educational model, bro? Um, man, I just like I can't sit still and like and read off a piece of paper and do it like I still can't like same I like if I have to get told what to do on an instruction manual I'm hopeless yeah like I there's so many things well not so many things there's a few things that I still have to get hand like held through um I'm going through step-by-step processes so I think it was kind of almost being put into a box and not being given the opportunity to do it my way 
I always really pissed me off. You know what I mean? I still to this day, like I I don't. Um, I've never read a chapter book. Like I've promised my girlfriend's dad that I'll read his book. <laughs> um, I'm like three pages in, <laughs> I've had it for like a month. But like I just I just struggle to sit still and yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. do that because I kind of think yeah I'm learning, but I like watching videos and stuff like that. And and that was definitely wasn't how it got done at school, you know. So I just then I. I think the answer to the question from mine is I didn't like feeling like I was put in a box and yeah. that was the only walls I could look at and how to work with. And and that was probably it for me. Yeah. 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 What lately has been some of your like the personal or professional development? I know you're really into running. Yeah. Um and you see well being is pretty, you know, critical yeah. to success. Um do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I think I just had a really big year. Um and there's been a, a couple of like key factors that I think have, have added to that. A, we've we've grown as a business and the individuals have actually started to hit their succession points, some of our key leaders, um, which takes a lot of like consumption and stress off me in areas where I'm not actually very helpful. Um, personal, like I've had to take four months off running, so I'm currently not running at the moment just because of my heart. But I'm in the gym every day um, and just having consistent routine and, and eating well. You know, I kind of get up at 5 o'clock. I promise myself I'll give myself an hour more sleep a night. So I get up at 5, not 4. Um, so it used to be 4. used to be 4, like 4.30. Yeah, um, man. So I get up at like 5. I'm kind of on my way to the gym at 5.15. There at 5.30, getting a session. Um, I'm only in there for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, jump in the steam room with a sauna. Um, and then I'll always eat the same breakfast. I eat the same what breakfast. What is it? What's I the eat three breakfast? poached eggs, one piece of toast, uh, cider, uh, like mushrooms and tomatoes, and oh, that's nice. kind of it. So every every breakfast, every day, seven this, seven days a week, seven days a week, I have the same breakfast. You even mix it up. You go to a cafe, nah, eggs, Benny. Nah, and and <laughs> honestly, ask anyone who's around me, they'll say that that's exactly the same order. And I just like to know that I'm con- like it's consistent, right? Because I know what fuel, it's like I know exactly what fuel I'm putting in my body that morning and I'm putting in fuel after the same exercise. So at least I've started my morning how I wanted to start it. However my day ends up, that's not necessarily in my control, but at least I know I've won the morning and I've directed the the rudder on where I want it to go. Um, so I just like having consistency and 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 just like trying not trying to eat shit, do you know what I mean? Like just trying to, trying to make sure... Even at ALH, like we just have a conscious effort. We don't have junk food in the office. Nice. Uh, we get around a gym membership um, and encourage everyone to go and get a workout in the day. Um, and just having good friends around too. Like, a, you know, I've got a couple of great friends and, um, you know, my friends are just as competitive as I am. Mm. Um, and, you know, we kind of almost texting each other who's up earliest, you know, who's at the gym earliest and, and having that and and equally kind of just making Auckland a bit more of a base. I've kind of always bounced around. My girlfriend's awesome. She she has a heap of consistency and support and look, you know, if I was be honest, I I probably wouldn't be the ideal candidate for a boyfriend with how much I travel and work. So it's kind of like making sure you have the right people around you all the time. Yep. And and friends and family. I've got great friends and family friends in Auckland and, and a real good support crew and, and family are really good. So Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, bro. Have you done many sort of endurance challenges with your running? I guess oh, you must have to monitor quite closely yeah, if you're so, condition. So I got told I can only do half an hour a day. Um and then I kind of was pushing it out a little bit and I was maximising that half an hour, trying to get as quick as I could. I've seen your splits on, yeah, on Strava. Mate, I started to get going. <laughs> yeah, I started to get going. But I have done a marathon. But I, I the the realistic um, outcome is that I'm, I'll never realistically be allowed to run more than half an hour probably for the rest of my life. Um, and and that's okay. You just have to find peace with it and kind of enjoy the exercise that I can do within it. So, um, But, you know, equally it just – about trying to transfer that and find enjoyment in the gym opposed to the, the running. It takes a bit of a time and I'm not necessarily as into it, but it's still it's still exercise and, and exercise is, is so important, I reckon, to, for mental clarity and, and anything. Yeah. Have, have you got any tips for anybody out here, especially around networking um, and how you've been able to, you know, network and build relationships with people like Rob? Um, I, I think when I met Rob and I think – or meet the likes of Rob. 
I didn't know who the hell Rob was, like, when I first met him, right? Like, I kind of didn't know what he was about, to, the respect he had in the in the, in the the country. Um, and I think just taking everyone for their, for who they are, like, and, and taking each person for who they are, like, the last thing people who have got a bit of an impressive CV want to probably do is have people coming in and kind of chatting their ear off chatting their ear off and but he's scrubbing up to them it's yeah, kind of like yeah, just yeah. You be know, just be authentic and be be you and, and I think that's kind of what I've always I've always been that person I couldn't really care less who or what you know and I'll respect I'll respect achievements and things absolutely in the person but it's not like I'm, he gets any special treatment because of mm. that so I think that would be it it's just be genuine and, and don't rush those things you know I kind of tripped upon Rob at a fluke absolute fluke What's the story behind that? How did you guys meet? I used to, um, just a mutual friend really. So, and just kind of ended up going to a, a dinner and he was there and then we just got along really, really well and uh, got along with his wife really well, Sarah, who's fantastic. And then that would have been like seven years ago. And from there, um, they've just been fantastic for me. Like I, you know, uh, Sarah's got two girls. I kind of, I've got two little sisters almost now. Um, and and it's just great having a, a family in Auckland, you know. Mm. And, and they they kind of make me feel like I've got a home there if if if, if I ever have to. And it's just it's always been a, a really good relationship with them all, and it's been really respectful. And I think the great thing is they've always been really honest with me, and 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 kept me accountable, and and kept kind of making sure I'm I'm meeting the standard that they that I I wanted myself to. So it's just mm. good having people hold you accountable when. Sometimes it might not be so easy to be like that when you can kind of get carried away a little bit, you know, just making sure you, you stay grounded. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome, mate. I think everybody needs those sort of networks around them and people who can have really frank and honest conversations when shit, you know, is gone good, but also at the same time, yeah. if you need to be checked about something or look at blind spots and stuff. Yeah. Um, are you are you like a mentor to, to anybody? Do you play that sort of role for anybody out there? Not intentionally. Um, I don't After this podcast, you'll be like <laughs> thousands yeah. of people. No, not at me. I, um, no, not intentionally. I, I don't like, and being transparent, I don't necessarily feel like I'm in the position to mentor anyone. Like just because I've, I've got a lot more I want to achieve and do before I feel like I give anyone direction. I'm, you know, I'm still realistically an apprentice in the world of business. Do you know what I mean? It's not necessarily like I, I don't think I'm, mm. I'd warrant necessarily guiding someone in our in our ALH environment yeah absolutely we meant, but external to that it's kind of yeah I'm always you know people up for a coffee I'm I'm always happy to have coffees with yep. people who, who might take something from the coffee that, that we say but I just think I've got to get it way more runs on the board before I start helping people out you know yeah yeah. well don't undermine yourself I'm sure you can provide a lot of value to people there even if it is just through coffee um, do you feel much pressure bro running this massive company and you say you've got you know ambitions and goals to get the business to having 100 mil in revenue um, do you put a lot of pressure on yourself yeah a ton but I love pressure like yeah. I reckon pressure is a privilege yeah. like you know I'd much rather the pre- pressure of growing a business to 100 mil than the pressure of not being able to provide for my family or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So I I mm. I never forget where I came from and I'll never forget where I came from or what it was like. Like I remember the pressures we had as a family. Like dad was a caretaker, mum wasn't working, we had four kids, you know, it was it was it wasn't luxurious at all, you know, like we didn't have any luxuries. So that pressure compared to my pressure, I just have to remind myself at times it's like just shut up and 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 get going. Um, but I I I love pressure. Like I I've come to almost be addicted to it. I think I'm constantly being ambitious with what I want the business to achieve, and and those people around us or in the business, what I want them to individually achieve. Because it could be it's a lot easier just to set a steady growth plan, but I don't want that because I actually want pressure. Um, to the point where I go and if I go and play a game of golf, I suck at golf. But if I go and play golf, I'd much prefer to tee off last if there's a group watching or little things like that. Do you know what I mean? Any chance, or I'd much rather I miss miss most of my parts, but I'd much rather have the last part which has got the most pressure on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything yeah. like that where I can kind of put myself under pressure yep. and and give me a chance to 
adapt in in a in a situation. I I always thrive off it. Yeah, yeah, I love that, man. I really do. <laughs> Have you ever sconed a sconed a part or something in front yeah, of a lot of people? Yeah, I oh not in a lot, not in front of people, but me and um, it was actually me, uh, my girlfriend's sister's boyfriend, her family friend, and her dad. We all went down for this. Uh, we called it the Dumpling Classic. It was like a little little like golf game that went down to Queenstown and played and uh, and it was kind of it was quite funny actually because it was like my first entry into the into like their family and I was kind of like I'm still I was doing a cool thing like taking everyone down to play mm. in Queenstown and stuff and then ended up Freaking like people were throwing their clubs and it was getting out of control. Me and, oh, shit. Me and man, it was, it was, a, it was all laughs at the end of it, but it was, it was really competitive. And I, I think I sunk a putt, I'll say it was from 15 yards. Um, <laughs> and that was probably the only putt I've ever sunk from that far, but I'll never forget it. And and they won't either. That's awesome. <laughs> the greenkeeper was watching and his reaction was the best. That's good. <laughs> who was who was throwing the clubs? Tom. Tom, Tom was throwing the club. But we, we wrapped up the game on the 14th hole. And uh, I'm not necessarily the best winner, right? So I was just like, I'm not even playing the rest of the game. You guys can play the rest. I'll just jump in the cart. And he's freaking flying his club 20 yards ahead of him. It was brilliant. I love I love seeing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got the partner in the right family. Then. It's <laughs> yeah, good in, in, in induction, right? Yeah. Um, what are you like with goal setting as well? I was, re- I was really keen to touch on that. We're obviously filming this podcast and recording it in 2022. It's in Feb, um, and during this time, a lot of people, you know, set goals for themselves. Do you ever do you have a process around setting goals? How do you go about that? I, I'd set a handful of goals, like maybe three or four, um, at the start of the year. Um, personal, business, and health, um, and with some financial goals, right? Um, but I just focus on the big one. Like, for instance, like we, we need to do 28 mils this financial year. My goal's a financial year, right? Not kind of calendar. I just go for the big one. I mm. just think that's what I need to do. I'm not going to get caught up in the little ones. I know the hurdles. I break down the big goal into like quarterly goals, monthly goals. So I know where I need to get to, but I just chase the big one. Yeah. And I don't kind of let anything else interfere with that. Yeah. Yeah. How far away do you think you are to reaching that big goal of potentially, you know, reaching 100 mil? No doubt I've got full confidence you get it. Do you <laughs> Look, think that's I, a 10 year thing? I don't or? think it's more than seven years away. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And and I'd like to do it do it by then. You know, I'd be I'd kind of be 34 kind of, you know, knocking on 34, 35. If I could have it have that big handy done by then, then then I'd feel like I've kind of kicked a couple of goals and got a few runs on the board for sure. Shit, that's still so young, right? That's crazy. Yeah, gee, you know, do you I don't, feel like I don't, an old man? I do, man. Yeah. Like people go, "Oh, you're 27, you're 27." Jeez, I don't feel 27. I feel 37 on a young day. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's I've kind of been through the ringer a few times. So, um, yeah, don't don't feel as young as probably I am. Yeah. Um, how can you know more people? I guess get into business. Um, do you think you know there's something needs to change a lot more in the educational system? Do you think people in New Zealand need to be a lot more sort of uplifting and cut away that sort of tall poppy syndrome bullshit? Yeah. How do you think we can encourage more entrepreneurs like you? I think it has to come from the person, right? We can sit there and blame a load of variables. And don't get me wrong, a lot of them are contributing factors to probably a lot of people not going for their goals. But if you've got the fire in your belly and the hunger in you that you need to succeed, you'll you'll get there. So it's just believing in that and mm. just believe in yourself. Don't mm. worry about what other people are saying. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Um, and just make sure you're only sharing your wins with the with the people who are going to uplift you. Don't go and shoot a shot too early. Don't go and tell too many people too many things. You know, and just stick in your lane. Yeah. That'd be like just stay in your bloody lane and 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 go for it and. All gas, no brakes, you yep. know? All and, gas, no and, brakes. And just go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you've got that sort of mantra, right? Hard work works. Mm-hmm. Still swear by that? Absolutely. You know, it's compound time. Like, that would be my big thing. Like, you know, if you're, if you're kind of doing 40 hours a week, you know, you're kind of doing a bit over 2,000 hours a, a year. If Or, or might, that might be wrong. But, you know, or you just need to compound it. You just need to make sure you're doing more. Do you know what I mean? It's just you want to make sure you're doing more. So why not do 80 hours a week and mm-hmm. you do double the time? What mm-hmm. It would take someone to do something in six years, do it in three, especially while you're young, you know. Mm-hmm. Or do 100 hours, kind of, you know, jam pack it. Like compound time is so important. 
And I, that's been the one thing I'm really conscious of. Like, where where is my time being allocated? Where shouldn't it be allocated? Uh, we don't need to stop allocating it. Or we don't need to continue allocating it to get a compound effect. You know, if you if you're doing two hours a week on something that's not effective, that's a hundred hours a year. Do you know what I mean? That's two and a half full forty-hour weeks wow. that you've done in the office. If you break it down like that doesn't take much to veer off track do you know what I mean and mm. it doesn't take much to you always I'm always reassessing my time so compound time you talk to anyone around me they'll be like geez he just doesn't stop talking about it but that's that <laughs> it's so important if we ever have people in the office who necessarily aren't achieving what they want to be achieving so I was like okay well where did you spend your time this week okay well look if you compound that out you're and you're wasting this and that, so compound time. I've, that's such a great, you know. I've, I've never, I've, I've never heard of that. I've heard about compounding interest in terms of financial yeah, terms, yeah. but compounding time. Um, I think as you get a little bit older, you also, you know, really start thinking about how many more years you got left on the clock. Yeah, you know, yeah. and mortality becomes a, a real thing. Um, is there any? How do you stay really present with you know always focusing around? Comp- Compounding your time is it something that you just have to you just, remind yourself every day? You have to be consistent with your time, and and consistency is the first step towards leadership in my eyes. If you can't be consistent, then you're not a good leader. Mm-hmm. Or you're not even a leader. If you can be a great leader for two days a week, but not three, you're not a good leader. You got to be consistent, and and consistency for me starts in that daytime. Do you know what I mean? I know that I'm doing five hours a week of exercise. I know what I'm doing. I know where my time is being allocated. And I know when my variables in my time or my calendar are that I necessarily don't actually have control over that, and that's okay. But the time that I can control, need to make sure if I compound it, it's it's in the appropriate place. You know, it's just the saddest thing, you know, seeing seeing especially young people who might be twenty two, twenty five, heck, even thirty, um, and they don't have. Well, they're just not going towards the right track. And I've got you know mates that I know who aren't particularly swimming in the in the right direction. And um, I just think it's the most heartbreaking thing, you know, yeah, seeing a yeah. young person not realizing their potential and how much yeah. time they've got. Yeah, and that and that stuff, it's it's tricky because I've 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 had that uh, a lot, and and you see a lot of it. But you know, the, the harshest thing and that the reality is, it's a them problem. It's it's not a it's not a me problem it's not a someone else problem and if they're going to change it I think one of the best bits of advice I've ever been told is you know we had someone who wasn't performing in the office and I was complaining like a whinging ex-girlfriend and you know I was like oh my goodness this and that and remember Rob said to me he's like well you're actually just expecting something from someone that you just shouldn't be expecting and I was like, oh, my God, like, is that easy? Like, like, why are you expecting them to do that? They've never shown you the ability that they can. So it's a you problem for getting worked up and expecting more from something that's, that on, for something that they just mm. can't deliver on. Mm. You kind of hear things like that and you're like, well, all right, then that makes everything a bit easier. Mm. You know? It's funny when things are broken down like that. It's I like, know. oh, shit, it's so simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It makes it, makes it a lot more simple when you look at it like that. Totally, man. Hey, what's on the cards for the rest of your year for 2022, bro? Um, heck, just, just growing ALH, really. Nice. Um, just kind of, like I said before, right? all gas, no brakes, and, and making sure we're, we're growing at a reliable and a reputable rate and, and everyone in the business is getting exposed to, to learning opportunities and growing and, and upskilling themselves, I think. Um, and making sure everyone's getting the best opportunity to, to, do, to do the best they can. In, in within ALH so that's that one and and constantly just trying to be as healthy as possible nice. that's always the big one and and kind of just taking day by day and appreciating each day that that goes by and, and actually enjoying it and being as present as I can you know that's the big thing nice bro love that brother um, we'll wrap up with some quick fire questions and a quote to end but before we leave uh, where can people keep up with you and your mahi oh Probably LinkedIn's my big one. LinkedIn. Probably with people. I probably got a bit more followers than I thought I'd ever have on there. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a good one. Jeez, I guess my Instagram's probably just full of ALH, golf, 
my girlfriend and my mate. So <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily any worthwhile. Either. Yeah. What's your name on LinkedIn and, and stuff? Uh, all the my name on LinkedIn will just be Israel Whitley and same across everything. Cool. Nice man. Cool. We'll get to some tough and challenging quick fire questions. Cool. Um, they're not really that tough or challenging, to be honest. Um, first one, what is the meaning of life? Oof. Probably similar to what I said, just meaning of life, just being positive and, and being as happy as you can every day, starting the day how you want to because you just don't know how you're going to end it. So enjoying it and respecting those people that have shown you respect and 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 just being as positive as, as you can and, and trying to think about why some certain negative variables might be negative and just be positive throughout it. Love it, mate. Favourite packet of noodles? Maggie chicken soup cup. Nice. Had a few of them in your time, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite motto or quote? Um, probably, well, it's not really a motto, but compound time. Focus on compound time. That that's it. And, and hard work works. There's, there's no substitute for hard work. Advice you wish you knew about when you were younger? Um, you know, I I don't probably wish I had any. Like I think all the learnings I've had to date have been perfect timing. So probably, oh, maybe I could have got. Going a year earlier, maybe, but who knows? <laughs> it's all about time, right? Yeah. Uh, what does legacy mean to you? Um, legacy, I've never really thought about that. Um, I just think having a positive impact, and and if you know, if I got bloody hit by a bus tomorrow, as long as I've, I've helped people and and at least helped or assisted put people on a track that they that they wouldn't have been on without me, uh, I'd probably be upstairs, uh, pretty happy and, and satisfied with that. If you could change one thing in New Zealand, what would this be? It could be theoretical, it can be a legitimate thing, it could, you know... I'll keep politics out of it, but... uh, (laughs) um, Hey, let it go, man. If I could change one thing in New Zealand, what would it be? Um, Heck. I just wish we could be travelling at the moment. I think travelling's really cool. Um, And obviously just assisting with poverty and, and probably putting more infrastructure on on getting Kiwis into work Mm. and, and probably not not giving too many handouts and actually just trying to support and help people because handouts don't necessarily go too far. Mm. You know? Nice one. Uh, what do you believe is the main thing that is holding back young New Zealanders? Uh, just belief within themselves. you just got to back yourself, you know. It's it's you against the world and I always thought about that myself and, and I won't ever stop thinking about that. It's, you're in charge of your own destiny, no one else. Mm. No one can help that and it's got to come from within you. Love that, brother. Cheers, bro. So good. Okay, we'll finish on a quote. This one's from David Goggins. You know, he's a... My man. Yeah, my man. <laughs> he is a madman. I thought it'd be pretty fissing for this podcast. Uh, here we go. We all need small, small sparks, small accomplishments in our lives to fuel the big ones because it's the small sparks which start small fires that eventually build enough heat to burn the whole fucking forest down. Boom. Magic.